She's a former public school teacher turned stay-at-home mom. He's a talk show host who's made a career covering politics from afar. Now, Christine Stegall and her husband Chris have chosen a new path forward for their child in Christian education. Join them as they explore and experience this important alternative in education for the first time. Welcome to Making the Leap. I loved combining faith and policy, which are now two biggest passions in my life. And so I love that I can bring back our country to the original Judeo-Christian principles that our country was founded on. I have to make sure I have a community around me that continues to build me up in Christ and remind me that my identity is in Him alone. It's not in the work that I produce. And that is constantly pointing me back to the scripture when things can get really dark um, in the work that we do. Welcome back into another episode of Making the Leap. We are so glad you're here with us today. We are going to be talking today with a woman that is about to graduate college, ready to head out into her, I would say, new life, you know, exciting next steps. And it's kind of an interview that I've been looking forward to near and dear to our hearts. I know a lot of other people out there that are watching and listening. It's important to them because we're really wanting to talk and focus on, um, options that are out there, but also the what's next piece of things. You know, we talk about getting kids through that K-12 experience, and then also how does that affect them as they move forward into their next steps um, as they're what I call baby adults, but that's not meant condescendingly just as a, you know, now they have the real world, so to speak, in front of them. So we're so excited today to welcome Samantha Seal. She is a senior out of Texas at University of Texas in Austin. So, so very much looking forward to this. Her background has been um, biblical in nature, the way she was raised, how she went to school. And uh, oftentimes, um, Samantha, welcome in as actually as we're talking, oftentimes we've talked a lot about parents that have had their kids in public education, switched them out, started something new. But you have, you know, one of the more, I would say, unique experiences to us, at least, where you started in kindergarten carried on through, you know, your senior year. And now you're out in the public realm in terms of education. So Samantha, with that, thank you so much for taking the time and being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So Samantha, the um, the question at hand here is you had the background from start to finish in Christian education, more or less, but it was when you got to the University of Texas, Austin, not a that's not a biblical school, my friend. So um, th- this is what I think a lot of us who have uh, taken our kids from pi- pr- public education, put them in a Christian school, uh, hoping that will take root. But then they graduate and wind up at a University of Texas Austin. Um, what should we be mindful of as parents as we talk about that next step, senior year to college? Mm, that's a really good question. I would say to prepare them for the battles that they're going to face on the college campus. It's better to go in prepared with the armor of God that we talk about Mm -hmm. um, than be surprised by some of the other worldviews that they're going to face on college campuses. Um, I was fortunate enough at Prestonwood Christian Academy to have that biblical worldview training through our Biblical Worldview Institute, through our Student Leadership Institute, where we talked about the hot topic issues in culture, like gender, like abortion, 
um, like critical race theory, poverty, uh, social welfare, et cetera. And we were able to look at those cultural issues through a biblical lens and then discuss how we would talk about those with other people who come from different backgrounds and have different different worldviews than us. Um, And so then I was prepared for those conversations I would have in the classroom or with people that I would meet on campus or um, even in Washington, D.C., where I'm interning right now. Smart. This is smart. This is not about, again, we've talked about this on the show in the past, not about bubble wrapping. Mm-mm. What you're saying is throughout your K through 12, well, maybe not throughout K through 12, <laughs> but certainly in your later years, uh, what, late, uh, middle, early high school through senior year, you started discussing tough, real world, secular stuff and what you would encounter when you got out there. Mm-hmm. And, pro- yes. and probably too, I would say, uh, you know, not just what you would encounter when you got out of school, but it's you still are out in the world as a middle schooler, as a high schooler, encountering all kinds of things. And so just to kind of piggyback on what Chris was saying, that that's we have to we have to equip our kids to interact on whatever, whether they're talking about what was on TikTok or what they saw on TV or what's in the news. You didn't feel shocked then, Samantha, to your, to your point. You got to University of Texas, Austin, and it wasn't like you got the vapors and fainted. Uh, you you were pretty well aware of what was coming down the pike. Yes, I, I feel like I was pretty prepared for the battles I would face um, at UT Austin. I think what was what I was not prepared for and what was almost more sad to face was churches that twisted scripture uh, to push their political or social agenda. That was not a battle I was prepared to face wow. um, because I think mm. it's maybe a new one since I've graduated um, high school in 2020. Um, There are woke churches that I like to call them in Austin who will look at the Bible through a cultural lens rather than looking at cultural culture through a biblical lens. And so when I was church hopping and trying to find a biblical community, um, that was really unfortunate to see happening in our Christian community here in Austin. You can almost hear it. I can imagine. I can imagine what it was. Here's my guess. Um, Churches in and around a university setting, a secular university setting, these churches are all trying to figure out how do we get young people in here? And they start to evolve into the secular young person culture, the kind of woke, quote, welcoming, inclusive environment that uh, completely neutralizes church doctrine and scripture. Is that that about right? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. With um, hot topic issues that appeal to Gen Z, mainly gender, abortion, critical race theory. When did you decide that you wanted to, because these are are tough topics. Every topic that we've mentioned today in the last four minutes that we've been speaking to you, these are hard and they're heavy. What, I, I guess I have two questions. When did you decide that you wanted to not only kind of um, be surrounded by them in, you know, in your profession. Um, but how did you come to that point? I, I'm kind of curious on your, on that story piece, because to say, I want to, I'm going to go, I'd like to go work um, in the the belly of the beast, so to speak. And I want to go try to affect cause change, you know, and, and be part of that um, positivity and that, um, I guess, kind of a reckoning for some places too. How did that come about? I'll piggyback on the question just so we don't double up. Because here's my follow-up, Samantha, to that is, uh, well, like what she asked, followed up with um, politics generally. 
how does a woman of deep faith, raised in the faith, committed to it through her entire education, decide she wants to go into politics? Because having talked about it for a good long time in my career in talk radio, it's a cesspool. And nothing that I would ever think somebody who is of deep faith would want to participate in, quite frankly. <laughs> so uh, having said all that, uh, as, as Christine asked, what, what led you to that? It's a funny story, actually, because I was against going into politics my freshman year of high school when I started to be interested in communications as my major in college and potentially as a career. I started watching press conferences with my dad during the 2016 election um, and began to discover what public relations is, what a press secretary role would look like. And I really liked that role and I liked those skills. I was a theater kid growing up, so I liked public speaking. I loved writing, so I knew that was the path I wanted to go down, but I wanted to do it in the nonprofit sector or the corporate sector because like you all are saying, I thought politics was successful and I wouldn't survive there. Um, but the Lord slowly softened my heart the rest of high school and we actually started talking about current events um, in my junior year history class. Um, and that was 2019, 2020. Um, there were a lot of <laughs> critical news events going on during that time. Um, but we had always looked at them through a biblical lens. Um, and I was heavily involved in all of those discussions. And I enjoyed those discussions each and every day. And I began to slowly realize that maybe the Lord is calling me to politics. I, I realized there is such a great need um, for Christians to be a light in our dark nation's capital. Um, and, and maybe I can, I can be the light of the world there and the salt of the earth, like it says in Matthew. Um, and then I tried it out freshman year of college. I interned in the Texas house of representatives and I fell in love, um, uh, loved the fast paced nature. I loved, um, combining faith and policy, which are now two biggest passions, um, in my life. Um, and so I love that I can, um, kind of bring back our, our country, to the original Judeo-Christian principles that our country was founded on, um, but it is successful. And so to kind of answer your second question, I have to make sure I have a community around me um, that continues to uh, build me up in Christ and remind me that my identity is in him alone. It's not in the worth that I produce. Um, and that is constantly pointing me back to the scripture when things can get really dark um, in the work that we do. For example, studying um, the war um, in Israel right now, that's really heavy to take in. Um, and so I need that community around me where we can pray over the work that we do. We can pray um, over the articles that we write um, and the policy that uh, we propose um, so that we are ultimately bringing glory to him and reminding us who we're doing this for. I don't mean to speak for you, but I think you'd agree with this. We just had a sermon not too terribly long ago from our pastor um, that is not to say that uh, you don't support the idea of people freely worshiping as they see fit in the country. That is not to say you want an established religion uh, in the United States of any kind. Uh, we all understand our founding, if in fact you've studied it. Uh, it. That is to say your faith informs the policy and the politics that drive you, that are interesting to you. There, there is a difference, and I just want people mm -hmm. to hear that because mm -hmm. I can suspect that the cynic would be listening to you and say, oh, well, there's another one who wants to go to Washington, D.C. and legislate her morality on me. Mm -hmm. they, they often like to say that, right? Right. That That is the 
common um, accusation uh, of Christians in politics, but that's not what we're trying to do at all. Um, there is a clear calling from the Bible on uh, for Christians to be in politics. Like I was saying earlier, we're called to be the salt of the earth in the light of the world. Um, and there are clear um, biblical uh, evidences for policies like pro-life policies, um, like policies that support the family, that support hard work and things like that. But there is something called free will. Um, we are not forcing those policies on anybody. Um, we are we simply have the evidence, um, biblical and secular, to know that these policies work for America. Um, they have brought prosperous times to America. Um, and so we want to bring these policies back. And whether or not you want to follow them, you can suffer the consequences after. Um, but that's up to you and your free will. One of the topic, one of the things I guess when I get to talk with um, people like you that are that have experienced Christian education in a different way than what the way our daughter has. We moved her at seventh grade, so we didn't have any of that pre, you know, the pre K, the elementary, that kind of thing. But I'm curious, as I've been talking with people, I'd like to know just a little bit about what Prestonwood was like in terms of what's, you know, the size, the maybe even the demographics. Because I think it's important for parents to hear and other students to hear what, you know, all schools look different from one another regardless. And so I'd like if you could just share a little bit about what, you know, what it looked like for you. What was your school experience as an elementary, early middle school um, style? I loved my time at Preston Christian Academy. I was there for 14 years, like you guys were saying earlier. So I didn't know anything different. Um, I think my favorite part was growing up with the same group of people from pre-K four to 12th grade. Um, we call ourselves lifers um, when we graduate um, um, our senior year, but that means we've been with each other from preschool or kindergarten. How many, um, Samantha? So how, sorry to interrupt you. How big was that school or is that school? By um, 12th grade, there's about 130 kids in each class. But I would say um, when you're in lower school and middle school, um, I think in lower school, I had maybe 50 people in my class. And then it kind of grows every year from then. Oh, wow. So, so yours bigger gets bigger. Schools. Okay. So yes. it is a bigger one and got bigger as you went versus some of the other places we've seen where it seems to shrink a little bit as students get older and as they move into sports and things and they want more activities and they want this, but you are, mm -hmm. this is a bigger, this is a bigger school. Okay. I always hate and, to. I, I always hate to be inappropriate in asking this, but I, I, I ask it only because of your your background. Uh, if if ever the day comes that you decide to have a family, and again, I know that's personal, so you don't have to answer if you don't want. But I'm just curious, having had that K through 12 Christian education at Prestonwood, is that something? If you ever had a family, you would imagine for your own family. For sure, I would definitely send my kids if I was ever, if the Lord ever blessed me with any, um, to a Christian school because I want them to have that biblical worldview training, um, and then I don't want them to be exposed to the indoctrinate indoctrination currently happening in our public schools as well. Um, and just to piggyback off of uh, the shrinking comment that you made, <laughs> it's funny that you mention it because um, we've actually had to. Um, increase our class sizes past 130 after COVID because there's more and more students from public schools that want private school education and more importantly, want that biblical worldview training. I think that's huge. It's actually when you were talking about you graduated in 2020 and I thought if there was ever <laughs> a time, I, you know, on the one hand, I kind of my heart breaks for 
kids that did have to graduate that kind of had to experience those last, like the junior, senior year, kind of with the nonsense and things that were happening all around it. It is heartbreaking. But at the same time, I kind of think that's a, that's a God thing too, because you got to see the craziness around you and you can use it now as a catalyst versus something that I guess could have really been detrimental and, and it has been detrimental for people everywhere. And so I really, I just thought, wow, I bet, you know, things kind of exploded in your area the same way they did for us in our areas with everything that was happening. Except you came up in Texas. It's hardly fair because uh, (laughs) Texas is the envy of the world. We were living in Pennsylvania, which is basically communist Russia. Uh, So, you know, Texas, I mean, they say it, right? Texas is like a whole other country, Um, politically speaking, of course. Mm -hmm. Not not to say you don't have your pockets. I mean, Lord knows Austin, right? Right. I mean, we just talked about it. Right. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm glad that you were able to share. It just I really did just kind of want to get some just general feel for what the school size was like. Did you have, you know, this is also what we get asked. Everyone wants to know about the social scene and the sports scene, but you're bigger, but not every school, it doesn't matter sometimes on the size. It's not that that doesn't always play into things. Did you what were some of the activities? Like some of the you said you were I liked what you said about being a lifer. You know, you were there for all, you know, for together with people since, you know, being five, six years old, what were some of the, just the different experiences that you think you had that were unique to a Christian school that maybe someone outside of that would not have had because of where you were? Well, my favorite experience at Crestman Christian Academy that is not at any other school that I know of is something called mini mester. And so we take the week before our spring break and we send our um, seventh grade through 12th grade students all across the world on mission trips who truly uh, share the love of Christ and um, serve others, love our neighbors um, and just be lights for him in the world. And so I had the special opportunity of going to Cuba my junior and senior year senior year. It was the week before the world shut down. Um, so oh that's the last memory that I have um, <laughs> with PCA before I graduated. Um, so I got to use my Spanish skills because I had been studying Spanish since preschool there um, and share the gospel in a different language um, and truly just serve and connect with the people there that I, I now get to call family. Um, and you know we've learned about socialism and communism in our history classes. And so we also got to see the horrors of that firsthand in Cuba mm-hmm. and then discuss that and and unpack that um, at night in our rooms um, and talk about how, you know, we don't want to let that happen in our country. And so there were kind of all these different facets to that mission trip, but the ultimate focus was just sharing the gospel um, and to see so many people uh, come to know him for the first time um, on those mini master trips around the world was just so special and doing it, you know, with my friends that I've known since preschool um, and with teachers and mentors who have been with me from the beginning um, in the highs and lows of life. Um, it's just something I'll never forget. I know you're a kind person. So <laughs> I ask this through the prism of you being a kind person, Samantha, you get to um, U of T Austin and you meet undoubtedly several of your peers who came up through a public school setting. Uh, you did not. So now you're interacting with folks like these. What do you what what was striking generally painting with a broad brush? And again, I'm not I'm not meaning to malign. I'm just I'm curious what your observations were. What did you notice as differences, either a base of knowledge or behavior or attitude or worldview? Was there something in particular 
that really stood out to you, um, your background versus, say, a public school kid at the university? I would say knowledge-wise, um, academically, there were some differences in skills, particularly writing skills. Um, so that's more of a, of a surface level one, but all the private school kids were just naturally stronger writers um, because it's something, at least at PCA, that we hit on pretty hard. They want us to have writing skills that prepare us for college level classes. And, you know, we have capstone papers that are, you know, 10 pages long. And so we're ready for those hard classes once we get on college campuses. Um, but also policy knowledge wise, um, it was interesting to start to have conversations um, about abortion and pro-life policies, you know, with the overturning of Roe v. Wade as well, um, mm-hmm. and just the misinformation that was going on in our our public schools, especially around the uh, the conversation of, of rape and abortion. And I remember um, mm-hmm. talking to one of my really good friends, who is a very kind person and truly just wanted to learn. Um, and you know, she said, you know, Samantha, I know you you disagree with me on this on this topic. Um, you know, why, why should a woman who has been raped be forced to, to carry her baby to full term? And then I, I asked her a question back because we learned the Colombo tactic at PCA, you know, always (laughs) just keep asking questions. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, why should the circumstances surrounding that child's life determine his or her right to life and success in life? She was like, wow, I never thought of it that way. Mm -hmm. Um, and so just that, that misinformation coming from a public school setting um, made me really sad, but also gave me uh, the encouragement to to continue fighting this fight. That's really powerful. And I think that's one of the key components of what we're hoping for, moving just one of our children from the setting, you know, just a generalized public school setting is that ability, like you said, you know, these different methods for thinking and for responding uh, to tough questions. You know, I, that is something that has, I see it based in the work that I do. I see evidence of a lack of thinking and the lack of critical thinking skills. So to hear that just, it it just is such, it's encouraging, I would say more than anything, because that is a benefit to changing up some of the educational environments that kids are in where bigger classrooms sometimes make it harder or a teacher that maybe is overwhelmed and may, and it makes that tough to to have some of those conversations and to teach some of those tactics and the teacher's hands are tied in a lot of those instances as well they most of our our kids have all come home and said well we have these topics we, you know we can pick a topic and talk about it but we can't talk about this 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 the teacher's not even allowing the topic to be introduced because they don't want what's going to come from it and yet you within your experiences, we're able to not only learn, but then take that further in a college setting, you know, in a place where someone was in a spot to really um, learn to think for themselves. And you had that ability to teach that. That's really powerful. Let me ask you uh, to play armchair psychologist, Samantha. You start school at a time where the um, the world turns upside down with COVID. Uh, everybody's terrified, terrified, terrified. I, in fact, I was just talking with uh, my colleague Dinesh D'Souza about this. Uh, the thing so many people are uh, motivated to allow government to grow and get intrusive in our lives, it's motivated by fear. You're afraid, you're afraid, you're afraid. As Christians, we're called not to be afraid. I wonder if you got the sense 
that you, steeped in a Christian education, K through 12, got to college, did you find that your peers who did not have that same background and life experience, did you find them to be more fearful? Yes, definitely more fearful, not just of the health circumstances during that time, but also about their future. Um, Because we learned, um, you know, in our Bible classes and just through our biblical worldview, you know, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer and supplication that, you know, the Lord has good plans for us, like it says in Jeremiah. Um, But anybody who did not have that relationship with the Lord or that knowledge uh, of biblical um, foundations were just filled with fear about what the future held for their academic career, for their professional career for their relationships, for their family, for their financial circumstances, and the list can go on and on. And so I just tried to provide that hope for them that can only be found in Jesus Christ. And sometimes it was successful and sometimes it just planted the seed and hopefully somebody will come by later um, to water it. But definitely those who didn't have that biblical worldview were more fearful. Did you ever hear that? Did you ever, I don't mean to embarrass you and I know you don't like bragging about this stuff and we're not supposed to be uh, braggarts about it, but (laughs) did you ever have anybody specifically say, boy, there's something about you. There's a, there's a calm about you. You've, you've got it together. I mean, you exude it because um, I think, I mean, I don't mean to speak for you, but I think (laughs) you, your foundation is built on Christ. And so you carry that. And I would assume your peers, some of them maybe even said as much to you. Yes, they have. And and that's been really special to hear. And I just always tell them, like, I the reason I have such peace in such tumultuous times is because of the Lord. So I always try to bring it back to the Lord and not not make it about myself. Um, but it's good that it's good to hear that even when I'm going through trials and going through my own um, personal struggles, that the Lord is still working through me um, and is able to be a light to others through me. I really am thankful for this interview today. I think I think there are people, whether you're in, you know, freshman year, senior year, out in, you know, 47, you know, whatever, wherever you happen to be, hearing some, just biblical truth and where it is from and how it can be infused into our daily lives, especially within the world of education, that is priceless. And I really want to thank you today for taking the time to speak with us about that, because that is the message that we are here trying to share is that there, there is, there are so many options out there. And, you know, a K through 12 uh, private Christian school is definitely one of them. And they're the benefits, I think, are tremendous. So thank you so much for that today. And I, I will just close by asking this quick question, Samantha, because you chose not to go to a Christian college, per se. Uh, mm-hmm. So having that entire foundation built, and then you go to a, a what it would be called, a, I guess, a secular traditional university, um, do you recommend that in hindsight? And what would you say to Christian school parents uh, similar to you? They brought their kids up. And now they want to go to the University of Colorado or something, and the parents are thinking, "Oh, I don't, I don't know." Sh- should parents rest in the confidence that they've brought them up correctly? Is that is that it? I would pose the same question to them that a amazing, an amazing mentor in my life posed to me when I was deciding between private Christian schools and secular schools for college. Do you need some more time in the temple, or are you ready to go to Babylon? And that's something that only a student can answer for his or herself. 
Um, a parent can't make that choice. A teacher can't make that choice. Um, the student can only make that choice with the Lord through prayer. And so I had to take some time to uh, dig through the Lord's word, um, pray through that question um, until I knew the Lord was calling me to go to Babylon and be a light for him. And <laughs> now he's calling me to the next Babylon in D.C. Oh, man. Babylon with a capital B. Exactly. Well, what a story. Samantha mm-hmm. Seal, uh, a, fr- a mutual friend, tipped us off to you. We were grateful to meet your acquaintance. And thanks for your time today on Making the Leap, Samantha. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I appreciate all the encouragement today, too. Thank you. There is so much in there that I share. That's one of the benefits, actually, right, of you and I getting to go home is that I can, anything I don't talk about here, I can be like, do you remember? Do you remember? You know, that was awesome. Yes. But what a great statement and something that just as a parent, I want to keep in my own head where she kind of ended with her mentor saying to her, are you? Do you need more time yeah. in in a in a Christian church setting? Do you need to go slower on things? Are you ready to jump off into <laughs> a Babylon, or do you stay in the temple? That's powerful. That that is a really great way to think of it. A good analogy to utilize as a parent, whether it's college, high school, um, homeschool, a sports team, an activity. I I think that's a really good thing. To think about. Yeah, you'd like to think by, what, 18 years of age, um, with any kind of spiritual foundation, you'd like to think that most of us would be able to at least answer the question, I think I've got this, mm-hmm. or I, mm-hmm. I need more time. And you but, know, as Dennis Prager has mm-hmm. said um, brilliantly, parents aren't God. You know, mm-hmm. we, we shouldn't beat ourselves up too much if our kids fall short, right. and we really can't do uh, end zone dances and right. spike the ball and take all the credit when they do great. Mm-hmm. Um, that's in God's hands, ultimately. It is. I just, I mean, I don't know. I just, I really am thinking about our three kids and letting them do some reflecting on, are you are you ready to take this on? I mean, I sat with one of our kids this weekend, the one who's in college, and he's he's busy writing a paper geared towards the... Uh, the some of the statements that a teacher has made, it's he was not writing out of his own personal viewpoint, but he was writing what she was going to want yeah. to hear. Um, he was lying in a paper to please the teacher and it, rather than reflect what he actually believed. You know, yeah. there's a whole lot, there's a lot of people that would be like, why are you wasting your money? I That's a topic for another day, but it does make me think then, that he at least he is aware. He is aware of what's around him. He's aware of kind of how how he needs to proceed. He wasn't losing sight of what his own beliefs were, and those are those are really important things, I guess, to consider yeah. as we as we move forward. But yeah. I, I appreciate. It, it, yeah, if it's not I, if it's not compromising your own right. values, if you've got to play the game to advance yourself, then I guess that's right. Because I, you know, I was like, well, don't sink into that belief. And he's like, are you kidding, mom? You know that kind of thing. But I, I appreciate it. But you know, as our daughter starts looking forth to college, and our middle son starts looking. These are, it's really good reflection for everybody. I'll be honest, though, it's never occurred to me. Uh, I don't know how many parents have ever done this or had a conversation like she just brought up. How many of us sit down and ask our kids, 
are are you ready or do you need more time? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you can go out there mm-hmm. uh, or you know where are you spiritually? And just kind of ask right. them to assess themselves. I, I maybe maybe a lot of parents do that. It never occurred to me, to be honest. Not from a spiritual capacity, we haven't. But again, like I feel like, look, we always say we were late to the game on a lot of this. So I think that's what this is about, though. You don't know what you don't know. You start to figure out what it is you're learning. Do better. Our pastor has said a couple of different times in sermons, you know, you you have a choice here, and where what you you know where your kid goes for college, and it is not uh, unheard of for a teacher, a college professor to undo in a semester what you've just spent Mm -hmm. years and years and years trying to solidify. And so I think that's a really good um, outlook, I guess, to have. And it's important that we say as Christian parents uh, sending our daughter to a Christian school, it's not our expectation that the Christian school raise our children. It is that the Christian school would be a complement to our values. Right. And there's a distinct difference. Yep. I, the, the expectation that our daughter will be bulletproof because she went right. to a Christian school, um, that is not accurate. I think that would be a mistake for any parent right. to think. So it's good. It's just good, yeah. I think, good reflection, yeah. good thoughts. I really, I'm glad that we're able to do that. Like you mentioned that we had heard, we learned of Samantha through another guest that we had on with us for the podcast. That's always an option for anybody to send us ideas, thoughts, you know, here, check out this person, check out this school. This is a great you know, program that this person has created. We love that. Yeah. We really have. And I'm excited actually at the amount of feedback that we've gotten from people saying, call this person, text this person. So please send us all that. The information is down below in the links. You can email us. You can comment on different posts where, you know, I know there's a lot that's out there in social media. We'd love to hear from you at any time. Share it. I always, right. And the reviews, the reviews on uh, Spotify, the reviews, um, iTunes, you know, Apple iTunes, that's always really important as well. I always like to tell people like if, if you think this show has been a benefit to you in any way, I hope that you will encourage people to go back and listen to it from the beginning. I, mm-hmm. um, I always, I, I like every show we do, but sometimes I think, boy, if people just found us mm-hmm. and they've never listened before, I, I hope they go back and listen to all the episodes because we've, um, we've kind of grown and done our homework mm-hmm. steadily over a year and some change. And so I think every one of these shows and guests like Samantha. Uh, hopefully will be a benefit to to you or someone listening. And like you said, you know, this food for thought, you don't know what you don't know. And so there's, there's always, I think, an option to gain from that. So we thank you for your recommendations. Thank you for your contacts and connections with us. And as always, we look forward to seeing you next week. Making the Leap is a podcast presentation courtesy of the Herzog Foundation. Please rate and comment on the show as well as subscribe so you never miss an episode. And we'll see you next time on Making the Leap.